We pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate the scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Today, as we mentioned, the beginning of Mass is the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. This is the central mystery, the central truth of our faith. That everything we believe as Catholics has its source and its origin and its end in the Most Holy Trinity. Why? Because this is the truth about God in and of himself. Just God's very nature, who he is apart from creation, but also then that reality, his relationship to creation. And so everything we believe finds its origin, its source, and its end in this great mystery of the Most Holy Trinity. But it is also one of the, the truths of our faith that is probably hardest to get our hands around because it doesn't fit in our, in our like cute little boxes that we like to have or categories. We have this reality that there is one God. And if we look at this from the perspective of God's revelation of himself over the course of salvation history after the fall, then, then we see like this progressive revelation of who the Lord is. In the Old Testament, God revealing himself as the one God, which, which was a big deal because all the people at the times, so there were multiple gods. We have a few gods, you have a few gods, you know, all these gods like going on. And so when Moses encounters the Lord in the burning bush, he tells him to go to Pharaoh to set his, tell him to set his people free. And Moses is like, well, you know, what God do I tell them, you know, is sending me? And then, you know, I am who am. I am who am. I am the one God. The one who existed before all things and in whom all things have their existence. So this journey through the Old Testament of the Israelites is, in a, in a, there are multiple layers to this, but one of the key things is the Lord is just saying, hey, there's just one of me. There's just one. You see from the first commandment, this one God, and you shall not have other gods, only me. And it's not because the Lord is like, hey, you know, I want to put my thumb down. It's like, no, actually, to have an authentic relationship with me, you have to know who I am. I mean, when, to, to have a deep, true, and intimate relationship with someone, we have to know the truth about them. And so this is the Lord's, like, revealing himself, not for the sake, like, hey, you know, like, I want to control things and all this. It's like, no, actually, I love you, and I made you for eternal communion with me. And so you're in the dark because of sin and all these things. So I'm going to gradually reveal myself because it just takes time. 
who is revealing himself as the one true God. And this journey through the desert is like this purification of the, the polytheism, right, in the, the, of, of Egypt. It's like, okay, no, 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 not all these other things, just the one, just the one, just the one. And then in the fullness of time, we see that the Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that the Son comes and becomes incarnate in Jesus Christ in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. There's this revelation. And so again, part of if you read the gospel and you understand it through this lens, they're like, so who is this guy? Is he a prophet? Is he a miracle worker? Who do people say that I am? Some say you're Moses. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Is he the Messiah? And this Messiah, again, has a little bit of a mystery around it. Like, is he the anointed one? Is he the one that would come save Israel? But then there's this deeper recognition, and we see at the very beginning, um, or or kind of like as the, the apostles are following him, the first story of Jesus in the boat in the storm. There's a storm at sea, and we know this is the one where Jesus is sleeping, and they're all freaking out, you know, and then they wake him up, Master, Master, do not care that we are perishing. He's like, oh, you have little faith, Um, which again is an acknowledgement that they actually do have faith, but that there needs to be growth, there needs to be maturation and depth. And then he calms the sea, he calms the storm. And so what is their question? What do they ask right after this? This is Matthew chapter 8. What do they ask? Who is this whom even the winds and the sea obey? Now understand, they have already left everything to follow him. It's not like they're just like, hey, you know, like this kind of random dude we're in a boat with, you know, like, no. We've seen him work miracles and we have literally left our families and all that we have to follow him, understanding this, him being the Messiah, this. But at this moment, they're like, wait, who is this whom even the winds and the sea obey? Could he be God? Because they knew, they were faithful Jews, that in Genesis, only the winds and the seed only obeyed the Lord himself. Only the Lord himself. So it's like, okay, well, is this guy God? And then that's, that's what's happening, right? This is the Jewish people um, they're like struggling with all of this and then the Jewish leaders uh, the high priest and the other priests and the Pharisees they're like man this guy's calling himself God is like blasphemy blasphemy here and so it's part of what's going on in all this and Jesus is like he continues to say specifically in the gospel of John we read the gospel of John is this clear awareness that Jesus is like look I am God I am, taking on this like I am, who am, as his own identity. Then we're going further, we're getting to the Last Supper, and uh, we have Thomas, right, who asked Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Actually, Philip, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus like, ah, oh, like he hears his heart just hurt here. Thomas, have you been with me this long and you do not know that if you have seen the Father, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father because the Father and I are one. 
So this is understanding, okay, wait, God the Father revealed in the Old Covenant, Christ come manifesting himself as God in the flesh. And so you have the Father here, you have the Son, and then Jesus saying the Father and I are one. And then we're kind of going backwards a little bit to the baptism where we have the dove, right, descending upon him. And then Jesus is speaking about at the Last Supper, and then after his resurrection in this period, from the resurrection to the ascension, about the Spirit, about the gift of the Father, about the paraclete. It's the Holy Spirit who will come, who we proclaim and who is very clear that he is God himself. Not three gods, not three parts of the one God, but one God with three persons. This eternal communion of love and this, this gradual revelation of who God is And then so now we live, I mean, maybe a lot of times we think, gosh, it'd be awesome if we were just like there when Jesus was there. But actually we live in the period of the church with the power of the Holy Spirit alive in the church. The full manifestation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we will receive here. And so it's this beautiful gift that we've been given. And when we enter the church through baptism, It is not just a ceremony. It is not just a ceremony. It is actually an entrance into the divine life of the Trinity. And then the Trinity entering into our own souls. So that St. Paul says a scandalous thing, that our bodies become a temple of the Holy Spirit, of God. And wherever the Spirit is, so is the Son and so is the Father. And so this life on earth, this life of discipleship is a beginning of entering in to the life of the Trinity and sharing the life of God. That is what heaven ultimately is. Just being drawn in, remaining ourselves, remaining human, but being drawn in to this eternal communion of the Holy Trinity. And what is this eternal communion? Nothing but the perfection of love. The perfection of love. We have in, Saint, in, in one of the letters of St. John, he says, God is love. It's interesting, right? Because we, we've talked about the most fundamental definition, the most accurate definition of love, the deepest nature of love is this, to will the good of the other. And we're created in God's image and likeness, which means that we have this capacity to love. If God is love, we have this capacity. And so what God has given us an intellect to know what is good, right? If it's to will the good of the other, we have to have an intellect, a mind to know the good and then a will to choose it. I can know what is good and not choose it. I can choose something, but it may not be good. So I need an intellect to know what is good and a will to choose the good. So all of us have this capacity to love which is crazy. We're the only thing in the created cosmos and everything that exists that has this capacity to love like God. Man. Also means that we can be hurt, but this potentiality to love is amazing. And so the thing is that I have the potential to love, you each individually have the potential to love, but for love to be actualized, for love to be realized, there has to be what? Another person. I have this capacity, this intellect and will, 
but it's not until I willfully choose the good of someone else that love becomes actual, that is like brought into existence in this particular way. So then it makes sense to us. It's like, whoa. Like if God is love, he's not the potential of love, then it makes sense that the one God is actually a communion of persons. That the Father, from all eternity, pours himself out. Because what does Jesus say? Like the greatest gift, the greatest act of love is to give oneself away, to offer one's life for the other. And so the Father gives himself away to the Son. The Son receives the gift of the Father and returns the gift of himself. And the love between them is so profound that pouring forth from both of them eternally, right? There's never a time that the Father and the Son and the Spirit were ever alone, like this eternal communion. Pouring forth from the Father and the Son eternally is the Holy Spirit, the bond of love between them. And if you could just think of just this eternal ecstasy of being poured out and received and then receiving and pouring out in this just eternal communion, that is who the Lord is. And he's like, I want to share this. His love is just overflowing. And so he created us to be drawn into that. So this life here through the life of faith, through the life of grace, the life of the sacraments, to be drawn into the inner life of the Trinity and to be configured more and more to the Son. And this happens most profoundly in the Mass. You know what's happening in the Mass? That we are mystically brought into Jesus the Son, offering himself on the cross for the salvation of the world through the grace of the Holy Spirit. So when we're baptized, the Holy Trinity comes to dwell in our souls. We're made sons and daughters in the Son. So actually, we share in Jesus' relationship with the Father. We talk about in the history of the church to imitate Christ. And that's an accurate thing, but I think actually it is poor. It is a poor understanding and a poor language because we don't just imitate through the grace of the Trinity in our souls. We participate in Jesus' relationship with the Father. We share in it. It's not like he's over there and we need to do what he wants to do. It's like he is in me through the grace of the Spirit and that I'm drawn into his life. So here, as he's offering himself at the Last Supper and on the cross and the, and, and the resurrected Christ to the Father, like this, he's, he's come to the world to take on our human nature to both as God and man offer himself to the Father for our salvation in communion with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit draws us in as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, like in him, not just like imitating him, in him, sharing in his life to the Father so that we actually get to participate in the salvation and the sanctification of the world. That when I willfully like, come to the Mass saying, Jesus, I offer myself with you. I am offering this Mass, my heart and my will, with you to the Father. It can have a specific intention. Then it's efficacious because it's Jesus moving in us. Brothers and sisters, let us pray for the grace to believe more profoundly in the truth and the mystery of the Holy Trinity. And our, particip- and our participation in his divine life, especially here at the Mass. And this is a life-changing thing. Recently heard a story of a deacon in our diocese who, as a young child, uh, 
his catechist taught him that each Mass, he could offer the grace of his Holy Communion, that he could offer the grace of Mass with Jesus for an intention. And his father was an alcoholic. He has a little young boy, like he was aware of this. And so he started offering his Mass as a seven-year-old boy every time for his dad's healing. And his dad got sober. And then eventually, he became an alcoholic. And then he got sober. And he said, you know what? One of the reasons getting sober now, sober with my dad, is like I said to myself, I didn't want my kids to have to offer their communion for like the healing and the conversion of their father. What's happening was this is not just him doing this. This is the work of the Trinity in his soul. At Mass, there's power because of the life of God. So this Mass and every Mass know that the Trinity is alive in us. Through faith, let us unite ourselves to Jesus and his perfect offering to the Father through the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit for our own healing and sanctification and the healing and the sanctification of the world. The priest stands as Christ the head with us the body together facing the Father empowered by the Holy Spirit. O most holy Trinity, we adore you, we praise you, and we bless you. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. If you would like to become a golden giver or learn more about what we do, please visit ctklsu.org.